PCC for a while. Uh, it's great that we can celebrate together. I invite you to grab your Bibles, if you would, or your mobile phone, whatever you have, to, to find the Scriptures, and turn to Luke chapter 23. If uh, you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a blue Bible somewhere close to you. And on page uh, 748, you'll be able to find Luke chapter 23. That's where we're going to be here in just a few moments. As you're doing that, I have a question that I would like for you to consider. The question is this. How good of a person are you? How good are you? I'd like for you to rank yourself from 1 to 100. Give yourself a number from 1 to 100. How would you rank yourself? Compared to other people, what number would you give yourself? Now, let's put a little parameters on this, okay? The, the lower numbers, you know, like 1 and 2, those would be reserved for people like axe murderers or Yankees fans, really bad stuff like that. Um, and then the upper numbers, you know, or your upper 90s, that would be more the Mother Teresa type, okay? So just kind of compared to other people, what number would you give yourself? And I invite you on the back of your bulletin to write that number down. There's a little spot there for you to write that number down as to what number you would give yourself compared to other people, all right? You got it written down? Some of you are grabbing your pens. That's good. Okay, here's, here's the thing. Here's what I'd like you to do now. I'd like for you to look to the person on your left and the person on your right, Okay? And then I would like for you to share with them your number. All right? Go ahead. Take a moment and share with them your number. Now, when they tell you their, their number, you can't laugh at them. Come on. Be nice. Be nice. Okay. So let's do a little a group participation here this morning, okay? Here's what we're going to do. If, you, if this fits you, if this is your category, I invite you to raise your hand. All right? So if you gave yourself the number 1 through 30, okay, raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, raise them up high. We're gonna we're gonna have to ask you to leave, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just just absolutely kidding. Okay, what about 31 through 50? Anybody give themselves that number? Okay, keep them up there. That, that that's good. Let me tell you something. Um, even though you're not in the upper half, I'd like to thank you for making the upper half possible. You're you know you're setting the the curve there. Okay, what about what about 51 through 80? Let's say 51 through 80. There we go. Very good. Now, keep your hands up. You've got to keep them up. Leave them up there. Now, if you're sitting next to a person who has their hand up right now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to look at them and say, I wish I could be as good as you. <laughs> All right? There you go. Okay, put your hands down. Now, if you gave yourself an 81 to 100, don't be embarrassed. You gave it to yourself. Go ahead. Raise your hand. There we go. All right? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for making it so tough on the rest of us. Right? Isn't that what we do? It's interesting whenever we start comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, whenever we start doing that, we start really thinking about that. It's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting how, how when we compare ourselves to other people, uh, some different things happen. And on the back of your bulletin, I invite you to write these two things down. The first thing is this. Oftentimes, when we compare ourselves to others, we feel better about ourselves. If you're sitting next to someone or you looked and saw who raised their hand on those lower numbers, a lower number than yours, you look at that other person you're like, I'm pretty good, right? Or if you saw that they raised their hand and you know better, right? With your spouse maybe, you know better, that's not really their number. You know, you, you feel pretty good about yourself. On the other hand, if you're sitting next to someone that is in the 80 to 100, or even the, you know, 81, that area, you start to feel a little worse about yourself. You don't feel as good about yourself. You, you, you think, man, I just don't measure up. I'm just not the same. Whenever we compare ourselves to some people, we feel better about ourselves compared to others. Well, we just don't feel as well. Are you, are, are you aware that this same thing happens when it comes to our faith? We do the same thing whenever it comes to our faith. We compare ourselves. 
We look at that person who seems to be able to to quote a Bible verse for every certain thing that happens in their life, and, and you're convinced that when they pray, that God is like, of course, what else could I do for you, my child, right? And we look at that person and we just feel maybe a little guilty. We're like, man, I'm just, I'm just not that good. I'm not like that. On the other hand, we can also go, well, at least I come to church. I know plenty of people who, right? And we feel a little better about ourselves. When we compare, we feel better or worse depending on who we compare ourselves to. Today in Luke chapter 23, we're going to begin in verse 32. And we're going to look at at two people, two criminals, two thieves that were hanging on crosses next to Jesus as Jesus gave his life for all mankind so that we could be saved. Read with me Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. The text says this, two other men, both criminals, and we would classify criminals as probably not good people, right? They were also led out with him, and the him here is Christ, led out with Christ to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified with Jesus along they crucified Jesus along with the criminals one on his right the other on his left so we have these two criminals considered to not be very good people you know the the worst of the worst of society they're being crucified next to Jesus jump down to verse 39 and it says this one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him at Jesus aren't you the Christ save yourself and us but the other criminal rebuked him don't you fear god Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me whenever you come into your kingdom. And look at what Jesus says in verse 43. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. This story, uh, I think, helps us illustrate and helps gives us the example of of what it means to to clear up maybe one of the the biggest fallacies or misunderstandings that we have in our society today. And and that is that if you're good enough, that God's going to let you into heaven. That if if, if we're good enough, that that's what's going to make it, you know, help us get there. And we're not sure what good enough really is or what it looks like. We're not sure if it's that 51 or above or that 70 or above. We're not sure if it's just, you know, living the last 10 years of our life better than the previous. We're not sure if it's this scale of, you know, do enough good and outweighs the bad and that's what, how God's going to let you in. But, but here's, here's the news that I want to convey to you this morning. That good people don't get to go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there's a big difference between the two. And even though that may not sound like good news, in reality, it is good news. Because we oftentimes try to compare ourselves to other people and go, well, you know, the people I work with, I'm a lot better than they are, so God's going to let me in, right? Isn't that the way we think it works? But it doesn't work that way. This, this story, this illustration of what happened to the thieves and Jesus on the cross is, is a perfect illustration that we are sadly mistaken if that's the way we think it's going to work. There's, there's a big difference between forgiven people and just good people. God has set the standard for us. And we are really not good. In fact, None of us are really good. Scripture says that God alone is good and that all of us fall short of the standard God has set for us. We are all sinners. And even though that may not sound like it, that really is good news because it's not how good you are on how you get to heaven. It's if you're forgiven. Look at me. Look with me at the forgiven criminal. And I want to point out two things that I think we can draw from understanding what happened here. And the first one is this. I want to suggest that a forgiven person admits wrong admits wrong. Look at what the thief said in verse 41. We are punished justly, 
for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He admits wrong. He admits that, that he did it wrong. And what's interesting to me is, is in our society today, we're really good at not admitting when we do something wrong, aren't we? We're really good at justifying our actions. We're really good at passing the buck or blaming someone else. We want to be accepted and want people to like us to the point that, that we'll go from person to person until we can find someone or a group of people who are willing to say, yes, you're okay. Whatever you think, whatever you believe, whatever your actions, whatever your thought process, that's okay. And we want to be accepted. We, we say things like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of opinion. It's just a difference of opinion. And, and while that may be very true in some instances, we do that whenever it comes to Scripture. We do that whenever it comes to our faith in Jesus. We, we do that whenever it comes to our relationship with God. We try to convince others. We even try to convince ourselves that as long as I'm good enough, then I've got to be okay with God. And that's probably going to be good enough. And the reality is, it's really not. It's really not enough just to try to be good enough. And, and, and I know I've done this once before, but I think it perfectly illustrates this point. And so if this applies to you, I'm just going to invite you again to, to raise your hand. If you have ever told a lie, raise your hand. Okay, now, keep them up for just a second. If you look around and see anyone who does not have their hand up, you have my permission to look at them and say, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Okay, so if you lie, what's that make you? A liar, right? You're a liar. Just, you know, no two ways about it. You're, you're a liar. So, uh, second question. How many of you have ever said, said a bad word? You know, like you stub your toe and some four-letter word comes flying out. Or, my favorite is you tell people that Jesus' middle name starts with an H. That's my, my favorite one there. So, how many of you have done that? Okay, Scripture says um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. So, if you've ever had any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, then that applies to you. Third question, kind of personal, but hey, it's church, we're going to ask it anyway. If you've ever been angry with, jealous of, envious of someone else, or you just wanted things your way, raise your hand. Okay, I think that pretty much applies to all of us, right? Paul, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, gives us a list of the things that we do in our sinful nature, and that list includes, among others, hatred, jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition. So, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. One more question, a lot more personal. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to give me that eyebrow raise, you know? That way everybody look forward and we won't incriminate anybody. Um, just, just a little eyebrow raise. If you've ever had a lustful thought before, just give that little eye, <laughs> or raise your hand, it's up to you. Matthew says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So according to the New Testament, if you've ever looked at or thought of someone lustfully, then you're an adulterer. And so if we run down through the list and kind of go back through the little experiment here, if you've done these things, you would say, we, would, we could say that you're a lying, unwholesome, talking, angry, jealous, envious, selfish adulterer. And you're really glad you come to church on Sunday morning so that we can talk about these things, right? Now, we start comparing ourselves to other people. We're like, well, I'm not as bad. No, no, we're looking at God's standards. God's standard says that's who we are. And the point is that we're not good people. You're not a good person. I'm not a good person whenever we compare ourselves to the standard of God. And even if you can say, well, not all those apply to me, well, James makes it pretty clear in James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
If you've done even one of those things wrong, you are guilty and your sin separates you from God. It doesn't matter if you gave yourself a 12 or a 48 or 72 or a 99.99999. We still have all sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. The forgiven criminal admits, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've wronged. I need help. And that's the second thing that I want to look at is that the, the forgiven person asks for eternal help. The forgiven person will ask for eternal help. Don't miss this. And this is... This was interesting to me whenever, whenever I read this. Both criminals actually ask for help. Both criminals ask for help. A lot of people, um, whenever it comes to God, even if they're not sure God exists, they're like, you know, somebody help me, right? We cry out and we're asking for help. The first criminal says, Jesus, if you truly are the Christ, save yourself. Come down off the cross. And while you're at it, save us too. That's basically what he's saying. Save yourself and save us. Help me right now. And we do that too, don't we? We start asking God for things, and we want them right now. God, God, heal my grandmother of cancer. Help me get the promotion. Let me get the date. Help us buy the car, uh, buy the house. Give me a raise. God, if you're there, help me right now. While the other criminal, he asked for help for eternity. Here's what he said in verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Both thieves were guilty. Both thieves were suffering severely. Both thieves were dying. Both were in need of a Savior. Both had heard and seen the same things. And yet, to only one of them did Jesus turn and say, today you will be with me in paradise. The reality is this. Every single one of us, we are one of two thieves. We're one of two thieves. And what's amazing to me is that Oftentimes on a Sunday morning, and this Sunday morning is, is no different, you'll have people sitting side by side, and they have the same need. They, they hear the same message. They experience the same things. And one accepts it because their heart is open and they're willing to receive what God is saying to them. And, and they, they receive the forgiveness that God offers to them through His Son, Jesus Christ. And their lives are transformed. Their lives are changed. And it's a new day and it's a new start. While the person sitting next to them Nothing happens. It's like Easter Sunday morning, check, went to church. Now what are we doing for lunch again? One person is transformed and the other person, there's no change. The reality is we're one of two thieves. What are we going to do? Because it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Here's the deal. If you are honest before God, the reality is your number that you really should write down whenever you compare yourself to God is a zero. We are all zeros in God's eyes. But you know what makes the difference? The way you become a 100 for God is to accept His Son, Jesus Christ. To receive His grace and receive His forgiveness and to receive His love. And and if you do that, it doesn't matter if you're a 73 or a 26. You're a 100 in God's eyes because He sees you through His Son, Jesus Christ through what Jesus did for you on the cross. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses 20-22, through 22, therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. No one can go to the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament law, and read through them and go, one through ten, check, got it, what's next? Right? We can't do that. Instead, it says, rather through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's what the law is for, to help us become conscious of sin. And since... We are aware of our sin. We become aware of the need that we need a Savior. And here's the good news. Verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, 
apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This righteousness that we receive is through our faith in Jesus. It's not because you come to church on Easter Sunday or because you have a high enough number. It's because of what Christ has done. It's because of His sacrifice for us. The reality is that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And it's our hope and it's our, our desire and it's our, it's our destiny that if we will receive Him, that we can live eternally with Him. You see, Jesus wasn't abandoned to the grave. God raised Him back to life three days later. And that's why we can celebrate on Easter Sunday morning. That's why we can celebrate the risen Lord because He is risen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is risen. And that's the best news that we can have today. That He has overcome death and we can as well. We are, in reality, one of two thieves on one of two crosses. The question is, are we willing to receive His forgiveness? Or are we not? God invites us to receive that freely. He invites us to put our faith and our trust in Him. He wants us to not only receive Him as our Savior, but He wants us to receive Him as our Lord as well. God wants us to to make Him Lord of every aspect of our life, to, to call us into that relationship where we can be obedient to Him. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew chapter 28 to go, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. You see... We sometimes get hung up on the fact that, that God just wants you saved. And, and that's true. God does want you saved, but He wants so much more for you than that. He wants you to live a life of, to the full, a life of obedience to Him, a life of obedience in every, every aspect of your life, through being obedient through baptism, through loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love others as yourself, to, to be salt and to be light and to do those things that God has called you to do. And those things aren't going to get you to heaven, but they're being obedient to God. They're helping you walk and grow closer and stronger in your relationship to Him. You see, even though the repentant thief was, was hanging there on the cross and, and he had spikes in his hands and through his feet and he was, he was trying to, to take every breath he could and his life was slipping away from him, he saw something that the other thief missed. He saw the love of Christ that could transform his life. And he accepted it. He received it. You know, we have the opportunity to receive His love as well to receive His grace and to receive His forgiveness. The band's going to come and they're going to lead us uh, in, a, in an invitation song and, and a couple other worship songs as well. And, and as they do that, we want to extend to you the invitation to receive Jesus. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've been, you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never said that I want to accept Him as my Savior and as my Lord. And you need to be obedient to Him. Maybe there's just something going on in your life and, and you really would like to talk to someone about what that is. And to get it right with God here on this Easter Sunday morning. We invite you to make this a red-letter day for you, a noteworthy, a memorable day where you could spend today and the rest of your life glorifying our Savior, glorifying our Lord. It's Easter. Let's celebrate that together. If you want to talk to someone, you make your way over to the cross, and we'll meet you there. Stand with me, and let's sing. Your grace is enough